3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I've been wanting to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. After a day where the Dow slipped 201 points, S&P declined 0.21%, NASDAQ advanced 0.51%. We've officially entered the two markets phase. We've got the real market, filled with actual companies trying to hit their estimates. And then we've got the dream market, filled with startups that are desperately trying to become part of the alternative fuel food chain. The real market feels like it's running out of steam after a spectacular run from the March lows. Tech, aerospace, industrials, banks, retail, even oil and gas. They've all had their day in the sun. Not much momentum there now. But then there's the dream market, which has incredible momentum, even as it's already ridiculously overheated, frothy, and I got to tell you, downright dangerous. I'm talking about the market for alternative fuels to power cars and trucks. And if you don't mind a little danger, maybe make some money. All right. Consider, if you will, a non-startup called Plug Power. We've had them on. The hydrogen fuel cell play with a stock that's up more than $1. 1,000% 1,000% for the year, and a nearly $16 billion market cap. Plug power soared 10% today. Or how about Ballard Power Systems, another hydrogen name that's up more than 200% for the year, tacked on an additional 9% today. Oh, let's not forget about Bloom Energy, same deal, a little more speculative. Stocks up more than 300% for 2020, including a 10% move today. Oh, then there are these self-driving uh, accoutrement plays. Think of uh, Luminar Technologies, which makes laser-based sensors for autonomous driving. Things up 266% in just over a month. A nice 6% jump today. Their competitor, uh, Velodyne LiDAR, has rallied 72% for the same period. 11% move today. How about MP Materials? Remember we had them on last week? A rare earth minerals company with an American hammerlock on magnets for electric engines. Not batteries. They darn things more than doubled in the last month with a nearly 10% gain today. And let's not forget about the electric charging station stories. Blink Charging Company seen its stock surge. I don't know, what? 2,500% this year? Paul Vulton 30% today after Congress passed an alternative fuel tax credit. Ooh, why not? Or how about Switchback Energy, a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, that's getting ready to merge with ChargePoint, another charging station play. Six weeks ago, Switchback was at 17. Ah, now 45. Easy companies to go. Then there's the Mac Daddy of the electric vehicle space. Kramer fave QuantumScape. The company is developing a lighter, faster charging battery. They say it's already better than Tesla's. That stock surged from $10.00 to $130 in a matter of seven months. huge chunk of that coming from today's explosive 39% run. Oh, why not? QuantumScape now is an astronomical $46 billion valuation, which will seem cheap when I guess it goes to $65 billion, I don't know, two weeks from now. I don't know. Look, I can go on and on. These are a lot of names, but you get the picture. So what's driving these moves? Three things. First, many of these alternative energy adjacent companies have novel technologies that used to be too expensive. But thanks to new innovation, economies of scale, and the falling price of renewable electricity, they've been able to become real businesses. Second, America is about to have a new president, and you have to expect the Biden administration to be a lot more friendly to green energy. There's a reason the solar stocks have been roaring, too. Third... Tesla, that's right, the Tesla factor. This is the ultimate dream come true company with a stock that's giving you some stunning gains. I see Tesla as a tech company that happens to make electric vehicles and solar panels. It's now worth more than $600 billion. Others dismiss it as an overvalued automaker, but it doesn't matter how they see it. Tesla's success has opened the door for a host of other electric car plays that have come public by merging with special purpose acquisition companies, or you just kind of made it into the, uh, into the realm, so to speak. There's Fisker. The Asset Light electric SUV designer. that stocks up 50% from the default SPAC uh, starting point of $10. There's Lordstown Motors up 10. uh, That's up 100%. How about Workhorse? Another EV maker with a stock that's jumped eh, 666%. Ooh. You got the Chinese competitors, Neo, It's up a thousand percent for the year. What do you expect? How about uh, Xi Ping uh, It's more than double since late October. Now, all these electric dream stocks have enough of a connection to Tesla that their sky valuation means little to these buyers. Only Tesla makes any real money here, but that doesn't bother these buyers at all. After all, Tesla lost fortunes for years. I mean, now it's practically printing money. So who's to say that, I don't know, pick one. I don't know, Fisker. Hey, maybe Apple should buy Fisker. Put their engines in Fisker. I don't know, know, Neo, Who's to say that Workhorse shouldn't be the next next Tesla? I mean, what happens, though? What happens when the dream market slams headfirst into the real market? What happens when they need to deal with a company that's not a fairy tale, but an actual business with real products, real revenues, and real earnings? Well, it works. Today, the dreams collided with Apple, largest company in the world by market cap. Reuters just published a piece speculating that Apple wants to get into the electric car business. In response, the biggest stock in the market rallied nearly 3%, taking its valuation up to $2.2 trillion. Apple's as tight-lipped as ever. I went directly to them. They say no comment. This is a company that refuses to show its hand until it's good and ready. But when you consider that they've spent, let's say, $18 billion on R&D, I wouldn't be surprised if they got an electric vehicle... Somewhere on the drawing board. We know Apple likes to disrupt big end markets. It does get any bigger than the auto industry. If there's anyone who can give Tesla a run for the money, it's Tim Cook and his team at Apple. So do you buy it on the rumor? Honestly, who cares? Unlike the electric vehicle plays that I just mentioned, all of which trade on hopes and dreams, you can actually buy Apple because it's making a fortune selling ridiculously popular products like the iPhone 12. Demand is off the charts. Given that these guys have the best customer satisfaction numbers of any company or order to be for the watch, for the computer, it doesn't matter. You have to judge Apple based on the lifetime value of its customer base, the same way you judge a consumer packaged goods company. Selling you the phone it just gets their foot in the door. After that, they collect subscription revenue and take a cut of app store sales for years to come. That's why I think the stock is more upside, even after a terrific run this year. I'm not saying we should value Apple the way we value Tesla or any of these behind me. I can't even imagine where that would put the stock. But can we at least value it like we do Clorox, Colgate, or Procter? There's just one problem with my Apple analysis. I've been saying this for years. I think it's still true. But, man, imagine if there was a catalyst beyond the subscription revenue stream. If Apple's really working on an electric car, well, hey, guess what? The upside could be enormous. Now, what do you do if you own the dream stocks? Look, I, I don't want to wake you too up. I like your dream. I've recommended selling some of these stocks before but, uh, because I thought it was time to ring the register. They'd move so much, but they just keep roaring. However, you only need to get rich once, people. So after today's moves, maybe you want to take a little bit off the table. You say, oh, my God, that's all Kramer says. But you know what? I want you to make money, not just look at it on, on paper. I want you to take it home. I'll say one thing, though. If the people running these electric vehicle companies know what the heck they're doing with finance, they'll offer massive quantities of stock right here, tomorrow morning. Most of them are a long way from profitable. They could take care of their funding needs for years to come. They'd be nuts not to do gigantic offerings. This is as free as money will ever be. They would be fools if they missed this opportunity. This kind of thing tends to put pressure on the share's price before... But you know what? Who knows? Plug Power did an offering not that long ago, and the darn thing plowed right through it. That's the frothy dream market for you. But Apple, the bottom line is that electric vehicle merely gives you one more reason to own Apple, not trade it. Hopefully everyone will forget this story tomorrow and the stock will sell off, giving you another chance to buy it in a weakness. Unlike the dream stocks, which just keep weaving higher, even when it's ridiculous for them to continue to do so. Jeff in Florida, Jeff. Joe Man, Yo thank man. you so much for uh, everything you're doing in 2020. You are busting your butt, and we, we appreciate it. Bringing some levity, you.
2: but
4: also uh, truth to power as the kids. I say.
3: like to come to play. That's just the way I like it. Uh, you, look, me, right. every day's the playoffs here, okay?
4: Well, we got to get in shape for the playoffs, and that's why I would appreciate your insight on WW, the artist formerly known as Weight Watchers.
3: You know, it's too up and down for me. It's not as consistent as I like. You have this every January, you have a hit or miss. Maybe they hit it out of the park. Maybe they don't. So I don't want that pressure on myself, and I don't think you should want it either, Jeff. Let's go to Charlie in New York. Charlie. Hi, Jim. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right back at you. I'd like to get your take on Boston beer. I've had the stock a little more than a year. And it's been a great pandemic performer, as I'm sure you know. Should I call it quit leave my money on the bar or should I stick around for more? There are in a lot pick- of there are a lot of companies that are coming in aggressively against them in this market. I think they will continue to be the predominant. I'm talking about the uh, you know, hard seltzer market. I think they'll continue to be the predominant one though, and I think it goes higher still. Jay in California. Jay. Hi Jim, how are you? I am good. How about you, Jay? I'm good. I'm a dermatologist from Irvine, California. I'd like to wish a happy birthday to my friend, Dr. Richard Lee. 13 years ago, I gave him two of your books for his birthday. I hope he still has them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Richard, uh, Doc, uh, happy birthday to you. (laughs) Three weeks ago, I was watching the stock ticker on Squawk of the Street, and I noticed that Splunk was
4: tanking 45 points or 23% in the pre-market. Apparently, they missed on earnings the night before. I bought some at $155 that day, and since then, it's slowly been creeping back up. So I have two questions for you. In general, when the stock tanks 25% or more in one session, is that generally a good time to buy regardless of the company? And second, is Splunk a a buy, hold, or sell?
3: I have been watching this stock over the last five days just gravitate higher. It is levitating. That tells me you want to hold on to it. I know there were particular issues with the closing of the last quarter. I bet you they're getting those deals done. And I think that Doug Mert is here to stay. Uh, The quarter, I know that they're up against Snowflake. That is always a problem. Snowflake is king. But Doug Marr promised us some good numbers coming up. I think he's going to deliver. I don't have a problem. What I'm saying is that there are deals that didn't close that should be able to be closed this quarter. All right. The real market, it looks like it's kind of got a little little momentumless, so to speak. But the EV market is on fire. Do I think it's healthy? What does it matter what I think? Buyers keep buying them. It's not what I would do, but you have every right to buy whatever you want. And the Apple news today, you know what I'm going to say. Own this one. Don't trade it. On Mad Tonight, I'm sitting down with a private company offering an innovative new way to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll reveal it just ahead. Then I just can't contain it. It's a bittersweet day for the container store. I'm talking with the outgoing CEO, Melissa Reif, about the announcement that she's stepping down after a monster quarter. And Twilio is up 270% year to date, and it doesn't even do this stuff. I'm going to be talking with CEO Jeff Lawson about how this company is uniquely positioned to help in this current environment and a charity initiative that I'm going to take part in. Stay with Kramer.
5: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC.
0: At indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
3: How can we stop the spread of COVID 19 while we wait to get vaccinated? The pandemic's already out of control, and that's before we get hit with this extra virulent new strain from the UK. We need every tool in the arsenal to slow this thing down, including better mass, which brings me to Ascend Performance Materials. That's a major privately held specialty chemical maker. Over the summer, these guys announced a new product. They call it Active product. Pro- Protect. It's a microbe-resistant fabric. They embed zinc ions in the fabric, then it kills all sorts of bacteria and viruses, including COVID. We know this because Ascend's had it studied by third-party laboratories. In September, the company launched a reusable face mask made from Active Protect, and they're working on additional versions, including hospital masks and gowns. I think this could be exactly what we need. So let's take a closer look with Phil McDivitt. He is the president and CEO of Ascend Performance Materials. To learn more about this new microbe resistant material, Mr. McDivitt, welcome to Mad Money. Uh, Jim, it's a great pleasure and honor to be on with you today. Oh, you're very kind, Phil. One thing I know, and I read about it in the papers all the time, is there is shortage. There is a shortage of just what I have in my hand, which is a high-quality mask that people can wear all over the place. We seem to have a lot of ones that are creative, but not many that seem to work as well as this. So tell me about how you can help solve this, what I regard as a public health problem. Well, Jim, uh, we actually
1: started to develop this active technology about four years ago, uh, really searching to find a material that would kill bacteria. And as COVID-19 hit, we turned and started to look at the effectiveness of this material in killing viruses. And as you mentioned, uh, we've had over 500 tests done by third-party labs, and we, we are able to uh, kill a broad range of bacteria and viruses, including COVID-19. Now, the beauty of, of this active technology is that the material starts out like this, as pellets, and then we can actually formulate it into a wide variety of applications, into fibers for filtration, into cloths for clothing and masks, into films for packaging, so we have a wide range of
3: applications that this technology can go into. Okay, so well, why isn't can this scale? Because to me, it's the answer to a lot of people's uh, most pressing problem: to try to st- stop the spread. So, Jim, we're a uh,
1: we're a seventy year old company, maybe one of the largest companies you come in contact with every day that you haven't heard of. About two and a half billion dollars in sales, and we have run this material. Uh, on our world-scale assets. We're the largest integrated producer of nylon 6.6 in the world with almost all of our manufacturing
3: assets right here in the USA. Now, one thing I want to tell people is I wore this for most of the day. Phil, I don't know how it, you know, I don't want to be too gross, so to speak, but it doesn't
1: smell. Well, that's the beauty of this technology, because if you think about athletic wear, which is where this technology started, Your athletic wear smells because you sweat and you have bacteria that form on the fabric. With our technology, we kill bacteria and viruses at 99-plus percent on contact. Therefore, you never have a smell form. And the beauty of this technology is that it's sustainable. Our technology, because we embed the zinc into the polymer itself, You can wash this material over and over and it doesn't lose its effectiveness. So no single use issue
3: with active technology. Right. So we know that the N95 is a registered by the government mask. Is this equal to that? I know that it's very hard to make certain claims because the government, according to 3M and Honeywell, is very stringent on who can claim this kind of, uh, let's say, protection. So we have uh, actually a wide
1: variety of, of PPE that we've developed. Now the, the mask that you have, which is, which is this mask, is, is a fabric mask, a general purpose mask, similar to this non-woven mask, uh, which is made out of media that's very similar to what you find in your air filter at home. We also have developed level one surgical masks and level three surgical masks and are working right now with a producer outside of the US on an N95. This is already a NIOSH approved N95 mask that we're able to apply our active technology to. So this uh, has the capability to be used in a wide range of applications. And if you just think about going beyond masks, think about your hospital workers, your nurses and doctors who are in our active scrubs. Uh, Think about if you're a patient wearing an active patient gown, laying on active sheets Mm -hmm. and having air filtered through active uh, containing filters. We believe that we can bend the curve on uh, airborne bacteria and viruses that have
3: caused health problems uh, in this world for centuries. All right. So last question, people are watching. They no doubt say, I want. Well, they don't necessarily want a make money mask, because I'd like that. I want one of those. What it, you're really a, a, probably a wholesaler, right? No individual can get a uh, mask from you.
1: Well, you can. So first of all, we're we're a technology company uh, first and foremost, and so we actually are working with well over 100 different companies who we've signed non-disclosure agreements with for uh, for different uses for Active. Are us as a company, because we saw the need, we actually got into the production of, of masks ourselves. And you can learn more about those masks at active.com, a c t e e v dot com, and then forward slash Mad Money. You'll be able to learn more about the technology, more about the wide variety of products that we have that are available, and really the you know what we see as the future for how we have
3: an active world as Active makes it w- its way into a broad range of applications. Well Phil, I want to thank you so much for coming on Mad Money and for everything you're doing to helps stop the spread of this illness. Bill is the president and CEO of Ascend Performance Materials. Great to meet you, sir. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Jim. All right. Mad Money, we'll be back at the break. The stock of the Container Store Run. This has been one of the great turnaround stories of 2020 we celebrated. Stock catching fire as part of the remodeling trade, and today attacked on another mammoth 20% gain. What happened? Magic gave us some impressive guidance for the current quarter. They were talking about sales growth in the high teens and much, much higher than expected earnings. However, it was a bittersweet note. The Container Store's chairwoman and CEO, Melissa Reif, who turned this company around, is handing the reins over to Satesh Mahalrothra. He's from Sephora, chief operating officer over there, and it's going to happen early next year. Thanks to the recent run, though, she's going out on the highest of notes. So what's all this mean for the container store and how did it put up such incredible numbers? Let's dig deeper with Melissa Reif. She's the chairwoman and CEO. Ms. Reif, congratulations, and welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Thank you, Jim, so much. It's great to be back.
3: Well, we are going to miss you, but first, you've got the floor to tell us how you did it, because this was some quarter.
6: (laughs) I'll tell you, um, it's been a wild four and a half ride. It is just four and a half year ride. It has just been incredible. You know, um, Jim, there's never a perfect time to pass the reins, but it just felt just as perfect as it can get right now. And I'm so excited for, for Satish to be joining our company and leading our company We're in a perfect spot. I mean, you know, we have uh, we've executed against our strategic initiatives. We've doubled down on custom closets. We've doubled down on digital. We've doubled down on online. We've just got things working for us. And I'm just I could not be happier.
3: Now, there are things that you did that are that resonate with younger people, resonate with everyone. Marie Kondo. okay, Uh, talking about tidying up or the uh, when you did the home edit Netflix show. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, this is one of those things, Melissa, when I get past my bounds. Right. And I talk to women about what they like. They like the container store. And these were all set up by you. These are your initiatives.
6: Well, I mean, I certainly can't take credit for them single-handedly, but I've got a great management team, and we just really, you know, we're just open to opportunities, and we we go into things with an open mind. And the Home Edit has been a beautiful partnership, and I believe it will continue to be so. And then we launched the Marie Condo product collection mid-January, which we're super excited about. And you know, one of our main purposes this past four and a half years, Jim, was really to redefine or really, I should say, refine our brand and our purpose and our vision. And that included really trying to attack new, uh, attract new customers and not alienate existing customers. And I think we've been pretty successful with that.
3: Now, you know my 26-year-old is a huge fan of yours, and she told right. me to tell you, and everybody else, I guess, that you do something that's a bit of an ethos and a philosophy. You make people's lives, lives easier, so then they set themselves up to accomplish other things. That is what I keep hearing about your vision, which is, I mean, in the end it's containers, but it's not, is it?
6: No, it's not. It's much more than just containers. And I do believe that we help our customers truly, not only save time, but improve the quality of their lives. I really believe that is kind of fluffy as it might sound. I mean, when when you're reasonably organized, you have more time to do the things that you love. And we're not just about selling items, we're about selling solutions, whether it's designing a closet or a pantry, or helping you with a, a kid's playroom. Um, and we can do it all. And that, that really differentiates us among other things that I think really differentiate us from other retailers as well.
3: You, I, I would tell you, don't have enough stores.
6: Is Satish going to put up a lot more stores? I think the growth strategy, it will be part of his plan. Absolutely. I mean, 93 stores, Jim. Certainly, the, the runway is incredible. But I think it's finding the right locations and opening the right size store. And I hope, and I feel confident that will be part of his plan. He is, he's a retailer. And and as you said, he's from Sephora. He's been there 21 years. He's bright, he's articulate, he's fun. He's got tons of energy, tons of enthusiasm. And I think he really respects our brand and who we are and what we've accomplished. And the only thing I ask him, as I said, you know, Satish, I hope you'll just come in and double down on all the things that we've been doing well and then you make everything, whether we are gaps, you make all those better and you fill those up. And uh, I think he's really going to be fantastic, Jim. I really do. I could not be prouder because this was a, you know, the board and I have been working on my replacement for months. And it was an exhaustive search. And I, I'm just so delighted with, uh, with our selection and his acceptance.
3: For those who haven't been by the container store lately, you have made, moved mightily for sustainable products. And you should tell people about that because I think some people just say, oh, why do I need this plastic?
6: Yeah, no, that is a that is a big initiative and something that we have more work to do. And we will continue to do that. Uh, I think it's uh, particularly it should be important to all all consumers, but I think it's particularly important to Emma, like your daughter, and others of a of a younger age. And that is another initiative that I know Satish will uh, will continue to pursue.
3: Now, people should know that you're sticking around a bit. You'll be uh, chairwoman of the board until the annual meeting of shareholders in late summer of 2021,
6: uh, and then what? You mean then what for me? Oh yeah, my goodness! for you. You know, Jim, I don't know. I, I sit on the Etsy board, as you know, which I absolutely love. So, uh, you know, I hope to continue to be fully engaged with that uh, responsibility. And I sit on my alma maters, Cox School of Business here in Dallas, SMU board, and maybe another board uh, where I could add value. I'm I'm not just interested in just sitting on boards to sit on boards. I want to be on a board where I can contribute and really make a, a difference in the right way. So, You know, we'll see. I mean, I'll always bleed blue. I mean, I'm always going to be, you know, a container store cheerleader and fan because I so believe in our brand and our vision and our just many differentiators and all the incredible opportunities ahead for this company. I I could not just be uh, more proud and more excited.
3: Well, you've done a remarkable job, and what a way to the announcement! I first heard saw. Thank you for sending it to me. I first said, "Oh, I'm so sad about your departure coming in, not till the summer." But then when I saw the numbers, I said, "Holy cow! This is John Elway! This is when you retire! You just won the Super Bowl! Congratulations to Melissa Rife, Chairwoman, President, and CEO of the Container Store. Great to see you again." Thank you,
6: Jim. So nice to see you. Appreciate it. Have a good day.
3: You too. May have money's back in for the break. It's been a great year for shareholders, in Twilio, one of our absolute faves. That's the cloud-based communications play that helps app developers connect with their customers. Do you know this stock is up 275% just for 2020? But tonight we're focusing on one specific Twilio shareholder, CEO Jeff Lawson, and what he's doing with those gains. For the holidays this year, Lawson's made a $5 million commitment to Help Kitchen, a charity that matches food insecure families with restaurants that have a lot of excess capacity. Long term, they want to partner with cities and states all over America. But short term, they're just trying to help people feed, just get some food on the table during a very difficult time. People are starving and stealing food. Given that the stock just hit a new all-time high today, that's the right move. What he's doing is big. Don't take it from me, though. Let's find out from Jeff Lawson, the co-founder, chairman uh, and CEO of Twilio. Mr. Lawson, welcome back to Mad Money.
4: Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me back on the show.
3: So this weekend, I'm talking with Mark Benioff. Uh, Sounder, the CEO of, of Salesforce, he says, "Have you seen about the? Have you heard about this thing that Lawson's doing?" I said, "Oh my God! I got Lawson on to talk about it. You have got. I'm giving you the floor because I think this is the most ingenious way to help restaurants, which you know I'm passionate about, and of course, to help people eat, which everyone's passionate about."
4: absolutely you know early in covid you probably saw the same photos i saw lines miles long of people waiting at, uh, at food pantries to try to get food uh, for relief people waiting blocks long to get some food and the sources of that food drying up because they oftentimes got leftovers from convention centers and hotels and restaurants that weren't operating anymore and so you can see this is going to be a very big problem meanwhile the restaurants in all of our cities are closed down they're struggling many of them are going to go out of business and so we said is there a way that we could just pay restaurants to do what they do best right buy they've got a whole supply chain of food Take that food, create meals, and let people who are newly insecure just walk in the door, pick up a meal, and help them through this difficult time. And that's where Help Kitchen started with uh, back in uh, April when we started it. And now we're closing in on half a million meals served, um, and now it's the holiday time. And COVID is worse than ever. The restaurants are in a really bad spot in so many cities, uh, and that's why we are ramping up because also it's the holiday season. This is the time for giving. And this is the time when nobody should be without food. And our hope is that this program allowing restaurants that even in normal times struggle to make ends meet. and We all know the restaurant business is a brutal business and they have excess capacity. They have extra food. They have uh, downtime during the afternoon when they could be using that extra food and that extra labor to help their neighbors through difficult times uh, become a part of the food service and the food security solution. And we think this is additive. So many people have worked on uh, food security, so many great right. organizations. But one area that I think, you know, it, the system is so stressed right now because nobody, the society has not seen this level of hunger before. And so we just need more solutions. We need additive solutions to the problem because the scale is so great.
3: Okay, so someone's watching right now in Chicago and someone's watching in Houston, someone's watching in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, and they're saying, boy, I really want to be in this. I want to give money to it, but I also want to help our local restaurants. How does, uh, how does Help Kitchen Geographic perfectly work.
4: Great question. So my wife and I started the effort in San Francisco as well as uh, in Detroit, which is our hometown. So we funded getting these two cities off the ground. Other philanthropists have funded getting Help Kitchen brought to their local uh, cities as well. We're operating in Aurora, Colorado, Denver, uh, Tacoma, Washington. But we feel that this can apply this model um, that uses actually technology as well. Uh, People who need food can text in and get access and get matched with the restaurant. This applies to nearly any city I can imagine. And so if there's philanthropists in cities uh, who want to bring it to their city, there's a contact us form right there on the website, or I'm just jeff at twilio.com. Someone can email me. We think though, to get a city off the ground, it probably takes about a million dollars to line up restaurants, commit to the amount of of, uh, food that those restaurants are gonna serve and get the thing off the ground. And once it's off the ground in a city, then people can chip in all sorts of donations to help scale the program in their local city. And again, there's forms on the uh, website, helpkitchen.com. I I have to go
3: to Secretary Mnuchin after this and just, I mean, this is something that the federal government should be involved in, or at least the model is so brilliant. Now, in the meantime, you're doing a lot to be able to get the word out vaccines and contact trace. I know you can't necessarily describe, you know, which which places you're doing with, but tell us about what Twilio is doing to stop the pandemic.
4: Well, Twilio's product is used by so many innovative and life-saving organizations, and we're so proud to, that our product can be used in these ways. Early in COVID, we saw Twilio, Twilio Flex in particular, our contact center product, used for contact tracing. And we're now used to, uh, contact tracing on top of Twilio covers half of the American population, and that's implemented at this, the city and the state level across the United States. Uh, but more recently, we've seen use cases around uh, like vaccine distribution. And the interesting thing about that, A lot of people are focused on how do we get the vaccines out into the world and the refrigeration trucks and all this kind of stuff. Uh, But a lot of organizations, cities, states are using Twilio to get people to the vaccine convince people that they should get vaccinated, coordinate the logistics of getting people to the right spot at the right time to get the vaccine. And so this is really a two pronged effort. Of course, you have to get the vaccine to people, but also we got to get people to the vaccine. And there's a lot of ways in which people are using email, text messaging and phone calls in order to coordinate all that human logistics.
3: One of the things that you also have talked about, you have a terrific digital engagement study which talks about the acceleration of digital communications by an average of six years?
4: Yeah. Well, it makes sense if you think about all of society's face-to-face interactions shut down basically overnight. And so what did every organization, every company, every municipality, I mean, every organization there is really needed to turn all of those face-to-face interactions into digital ones. And in a lot of cases, this was an acceleration of trends that were already happening, right? If you think about what has the digital transformation done to so many ways in which we do business, in which we, you know, we go shopping, we consume services, even see the doctor, digital transformation makes these services more convenient and easier to consume because of the power of having ubiquitous mobile phones connected to the internet always. And so the trends that have already been going on in our society around digitizing those processes, streamlining them with this technology and turning so many interactions into digital ones, those trends all got accelerated by COVID. I love the story of uh, Nike, actually. So Nike had, uh, prior to COVID, been building an app using Twilio Flex to enable their in-store salespeople. They call them athletes to be able to communicate with the digital customers on their website because they said, hey, these athletes are store employees. They have so much product knowledge. They could help customers who don't just walk through our front door, but also walk through our front digital door on the website and help them find the right product for them. Well, of course, COVID hit and they had to shutter all of those uh, physical stores for a while, and so all of those employees became digital salespeople practically overnight. And you think about it, uh, Nike became essentially 100% e-commerce overnight, and that workforce really helped them to to succeed in that environment, which was obviously not new to them. they have been investing in digital for a long time, but to see e-commerce acceleration at this scale, like that is a one-way track. E-commerce is going to be accelerated forever now, and the companies who invested uh, are going to do well in the future when this uh, pandemic is over.
3: And if people want to see that, if you look at the Nike conference call, it details exactly what Jeff was talking about. It's rather an amazing wonder of the world, but the real wonder is what you're doing with Help Kitchen. And uh, I'm going to tell everybody, I want everyone to tell everybody about this, because this solves the two, two problems, the businesses that are going under, but more importantly, the people who can't eat in our great country. Jeff Lawson, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Twilio, TWLO, all-time high today. Thank you so much for everything you're doing.
4: Thank you for having me, Jim. May
3: have money. back for the break. It is time! And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Steve, dad, the lightning light round. Let's start with Andy in Minnesota. Andy.
1: Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, I want to get your thoughts on an aerospace and defense company I've been adding to my portfolio over the last couple months as it's continued to drop. Should I buy more Lockheed Martin at these levels? Jim Tanklet is
3: terrific. He was great at American Tower. I wanted him to come on the show. Did the Air Jet General buy? I thought it was really good. I thought the stock would go up on it. Didn't. Let's get him on the show. Jim is a good, good CEO. Why don't we go to Nick in Massachusetts? Nick. Jim, how are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. How about you? Good. I'm
1: good. I uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, my investing group, uh, the Sack Cow South Cowboys, and uh, the top set that is my uh, but the uh, Absolutely. That, uh, I wanted to ask you about with Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce up big, big today
3: and yet it still has a lot more to go. I keep seeing Salesforce everywhere. For instance, Sporta, a little company that was bought by Honeywell. That's a Salesforce-powered company. They are doing what's right for customers right now to sell, particularly in an environment that is virtual. I need to go to Tim in Arizona. Tim. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan of the show. Thank you. The company I'm calling about is trading out of PE uh, for 2021 of six. Has th- a 35 legacy auto brands being converted to EV in the next five years. Has great penetration in China, especially on their truck. Has partnered with EVgo and ChargePoint to install 31,000 charging ports across the United States. Is heavily investing in their own state-of-the-art battery technology. Has some of parts value of $80 to $90 per All share. Right. 30, That's 41. great. 41 The company I'm calling about is General Motors. I think General Motors is radically undervalued, particularly after what I've done with EV tonight. The more I read about it, the more I think about it, the more I think I cannot understand the valuation. When clean energy fuels can be up this much and they never, ever had any real hope that natural gas, who knows what GM can do? Just picking just a random stock that, to me, has never been able to get any love and is now getting love. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark!
1: Jim, the stock I got for you is a limited partnership down on the Houston Shipping Channel. The ticker symbol is EPD, name of the company's enterprise products partners.
3: You're not going to get one- better than that, which just shows you exactly how bad that business is. This has got an 8% yield. I've always felt it's the safest. The other ones are cutting their yield. I do not want you to go near this group. I don't want you to be in the House of Pain. And that's what EPD is. No matter how good it is, it is in the House of Pain. Sam in Florida. Sam! Jim. Jim, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Sam? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I want to give a really quick shout-out to my dad, Shepard, who watches me daily. And also a shout-out to my
1: University of Florida community. Go Gators.
3: Go oh go haters. Absolutely.
1: Whoa. What's up? Thank you. Um, I want to know your thoughts on Wish, that e-commerce platform. Uh, I know they're No parents-
3: man, when they when they blow up like that, you gotta wait for the quarter. You gotta wait for the quarter. Like even Smile Direct. When it blew up, you had to wait for the quarter and then you can start buying. Let's wait, okay? No need. Bat on shoulder. Berkeley in Virginia, Berkeley! Hey Jim. how are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. How about you? Not very well. I wanted to get your opinion on a company called CRISPR. They won the 2020
1: Man, Nobel that is Prize. a real
3: biotech company. I think it's a great company. But uh, always, you know, all the notes are good about it. Well, the stock goes up a lot, but I think it's still undervalued, believe it or not. It's really good. Let's go to Oscar in New York. Oscar! Yes, I have a quick question with
1: regards to Hylion, ticker symbol H-Y-L-N. I what? bought at $17 this period. right. Should I keep it or should yeah, I keep it? Yeah, I
3: don't know why it didn't catch fire today with the electric companies. I mean, it was just a gigantic... You know, this was the one that I thought we were, I was going to include highly on at the top of the show. But I decided not to because it didn't move up a lot. I don't know what's going on. It better catch fire soon or people are going to get bored. Mike in Ohio. Mike! Hey, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you? Good, thanks.
1: Hey, longtime viewer and first-time caller. Love
3: watching the show, and a big Buckeye Nation booyah to you, sir. Definitely, definitely. A lot of Buckeye fans here. <laughs> All right. So I'm calling from the state of arguably the best college football program in the nation. And looking forward to our rematch with Clemson next week. To be good. We have some unfinished business, obviously. Wow. Those so speakers. Speaking of. <laughs> speaking of business.
2: I'm interested in your thoughts on exact sciences. E. I like E-s-a-m. Conroy,
3: I like exact sciences. The only thing I worry about, and I think it's throwing up stock, is I'm seeing some of the things, this guy Dr. Scott Gottlieb, that we've seen him, he's on the board of this company, Illumina. And they got this thing Grail, which takes a little bit of blood and also detects cancer. That's been Kevin Conroy's stock in trade. But in yeah, Illumina, these are you don't necessarily have to view them as competitors, but I gotta tell you, I like both stocks. How about we go to Michael? In my home state of New Jersey, Michael. Hey, Jim. Happy holidays to you, buddy. Shane. Um, thanks for helping me
1: create uh, what I call a vacation fund. Remember vacations? Sure. Anyway. Yeah, what, uh, what the, yeah they're fun. Uh, yeah, they were. I like the auto EV transportation sector. Uh, this auto transportation company is an iconic name brand. They were hit hard this year with layoffs, furloughs, increased production demand, cut their dividend. They have been working with autonomous vehicle technologies and commercial fleet management as they move into the future. They also supply something every vehicle needs. Will this company reinvent the wheel or burn out? Are there good years ahead for
2: T.T. with year, Tire, and Rubber?
3: Sell! And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round!
5: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: In olden days, a glimpse of options was looked on as something shocking. But now, God knows, anything goes. Maybe Cole Porter was onto something when he wrote that song in 1934. Because right now, many of the brokers have created an anything goes situation when it comes to the stock market. And that's a problem. This is a risky business, which is why it's imperative that you have some knowledge of what can go wrong before you put your money on the table. Now, we've got a whole new generation of stock pickers who are incredibly savvy, and I salute them. I'm constantly amazed by younger investors. They're much better about knowing what they own than my generation ever was. I think it's fabulous that these people are taking advantage of the stock market. This is not like the 90s when I went to a toy store in Brooklyn and the proprietor told me he owned Seagate, but he thought it was a housing developer, not a disk drive maker. You don't see many younger investors making that kind of mistake. These kids were practically raised by the internet. They know how to do their homework. In many cases, they know what these companies do because they use them at work. Think uh, a snowflake, I I lost you. But, and this is a big but, many of them are still novices, and novice investors can make rookie mistakes. In the old days, we had card rails. You had to call up your broker, talk to another human being before you could buy or sell a stock, Then you know whether it was suitable for you. Oh, man, what a pain in the neck. But it also prevented amateurs from making classic blunders that your broker might have seen before. These days, there are no guardrails. You can download an app and start trading almost immediately. With the current setup, it's easy to get investing. But it's also easy to make mistakes. So because there are no guardrails in the stock market, let me at least give you some guidelines to help protect your portfolio. I'm not condescending. I am not talking down. I am offering practical advice for 40 years of trading and investing. First, before you buy anything, ask yourself if you could explain why you're doing it to a stranger. Can you give, say, three reasons that you think it's headed higher? If not, forget about it. you got to know it, Joe. Second, cheerleading, a real problem on Twitter, will not make a stock go higher, especially if it's in my Twitter feed. If you're trying to root for a stock, save it for the stadium when they start letting you go back to them. These are just pieces of paper, people. Just piece of paper, people. Anyway, third, if, if you're trading stocks for the short term, Would you please make sure you have a thesis? Are you catalyst trading? Maybe you're momentum trading. Why should it go up? Why should it go down? You need to be able to answer that question. Fourth and finally, let's talk options. Before you mess around with options, you need to know that most of the out-of-money calls that you may buy are going to go to zero. Never, ever sell call options unless you own the stock underneath it. Otherwise, you could set yourself up for what I call unlimited losses. When you sell options, they don't necessarily stop at zero. Some brokerages won't let you sell options, and honestly, I think they're right it's too easy to lose your shirt. I am begging you to not go near them until you've done a lot of studying about how options work. The point of all this is that you want to limit your losses. When you're managing your own money, it's inevitable that you'll get something wrong. But if you stick to the rules of the road, you can avoid making ruinous rookie mistakes. You'll end up a lot wealthier with guardrails, even if they are imaginary. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time.
2: The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.